thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 31. Thy bosom is endeared with all hearts, which I by lacking have supposed dead. And there reigns love, and all love's loving parts, and all these friends which I thought buried. How many a holy and obsequious tear hath dear religious love stolen from mine eye, as interest of the dead, which now appear, but things removed that hidden in thee lie. Thou art the grave where buried love doth live, hung with the trophies of my lovers gone, who all their parts of me to thee did give, that due of many now is thine alone. Their images I loved, I view in thee, and thou, or they, hast all the all of me. That was Sonnet 31. I am nailing these sonnets. I am, oh, I'm so happy. Um, we are going through Shakespeare's sonnets. I am joined by the, oh, let's think of some adjectives, uh, very snappily dressed, uh, very, very witty, sharp wit, silver-tongued Thierry. Say hello, Thierry. Hello. See, I'm not sure if sharply dressed is. I'm, I'm wearing my university sweater. It's not really. It's it's smarter dressed than me, who has just put on the same clothes from yesterday because I'm a slob. You've got. <laughs> it is an epic banana jumper, though. It's a banana jumper, which was was designed by my cousin-in-law, um, who 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 did a masters in men's knitwear, which I didn't know existed, which I think is awesome because it does exist, and he did that and and. He's had fashion shows, and he now designs men's knitwear for for a online company. There are many online companies, but he does it for one specific one, and and it's a jumper <laughs> with bananas on it, and it's awesome, and I love it. Um, that has nothing to do with this sonnet at all. But. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we can we can work it in. We can work it in somehow. Bananas. We just need bananas or jumpers. Um, what do you think about this sonnet? I, I keep passing them off to you to start with because yeah, why not? I I quite like the idea that all, all the loves that preceded this one have sort of just been a preparation for the, this big love now which is sort of the feeling that I'm getting from this one I have to say that's not quite how I read it but I quite like that reading the way I read it I suppose is that the fair youth is like an amalgamation of all his loves so so uh, in the uh, where it is I hung with the trophies of my lovers gone, who all their parts of me to thee did give. So I, I, I was seeing the young love as uh, taking on the qualities of all the other people that Shakespeare has loved throughout the ages, and and becomes like uh, an uber Shakespeare date, as if <laughs> as if you could go through your exes and go, well, I really like this part and this part and this part, but not that. So I'm going to get rid of that and take all the good ones and mix it with this other person and make your ideal partner. Kind of Frankenstein-y, or Frankenstein's monstery. It It is, yeah. Yeah, I get that. It is very, very strange. I guess sometimes you meet people who have different qualities that you've only known in several different people up until that point. But this does actually sound like... Oh, I've took all the bits that I liked and, and put them into this one. But then again, as you said before, if he's creating this perfect image, then that's that's a fairly easy thing to do, to just see all those qualities that you want to see in one single person. 
Yes, and yeah, it does lead into the Shakespeare seeing what he wants to see rather than what is actually there. Because I guess at this point, the, the sonnets were fairly early in Shakespeare's career, weren't they? They were one of the earlier things he did. Um, and so I, I, he wouldn't have been old at the time, but he wouldn't have been young. I, I imagine he would be, have been approaching middle age of the time, I guess. So maybe maybe the the fair youth is his his, his middle age his midlife crisis. <laughs> the fair youth is his Ferrari when they didn't have Ferraris. Wow, that's yeah. <laughs> it, it's possible. I I don't know. Just the idea of of imbuing someone with all the qualities of your exes because I suppose when you when you think of exes, there are two ways you can go, which is you can either hate and despise everything that they 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 represented and they are or you can enjoy the bits you'd enjoyed and, and sort of admit that they had their flaws and then the flaws were just too big for you to overcome I guess and it sounds like Shakespeare is, is doing the latter and is then taking the parts he likes and imbuing them into someone else he, he was actually towards sense? the end of his life when uh he published the sonnets. Ah. I have to ah, so, yeah, check. Well, that, well that, that, 1609, we, we know that one. So that makes him even even older. So yeah, maybe this is his midlife crisis or his old... He's a dirty old man and, and he is creating his perfect man, woman, date, lover. Perfect lover. I mean, from, from today's point of view, it would be the midlife crisis. He died in 1616. Yeah, when uh, he was he was about fifty two. We're not quite sure when he was actually born. Yeah, so he'd be forty. So, yeah, in in his forties. Yeah. So maybe that works. I've just cracked the sonnet. It's Shakespeare's midlife crisis. It's kind of cutting insight like that is why people listen to this podcast. We we we, we finally understand. That's that's what all the literature. Um, Analyses have have been trying to come up with, and and you've cracked it finally in thirty one sonnets. <laughs> not not even them all. Thirty one. Co- completely ignoring the uh, hundred and twenty that are still to come. Yes. <laughs> yeah, more than one hundred and twenty three to come, isn't it? One hundred and fifty four altogether. It's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite a nice. I I think it's quite a nice poem. It has an odd rhythm in places. The the last bit, their images I loved. I view in thee and thou, or they hast all the all of me. It's quite an odd. It's taken me a couple of of. I was reading these before I recorded because I started practicing. You may have noticed um, reading them, and it took me a good couple of run throughs to get my tongue around the 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 meter of those words. It is. It is a very, very strange line, even for Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Their images I loved. I view in thee. So it is that imbuing what I loved about my previous lovers. I now see in in you, and thou, or they, hast all the all of me. So it, Shakespeare almost is saying he sees himself in the young lover as well. So there's kind of a bit of a self uh, loving going on in, in a bit of way. narcissism yeah that's 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 the proper word that's what I was trying to search for yeah there's a bit of narcissism in in all this 
Um, and and maybe sort of the the um, going not to be crude, but the sort of masturbatory imagery we had before coming back, in the sense that he he's having traffic with uh, with thyself. Yeah. What was it? Thy own self. Yeah. He he loves himself, and and he sees all his lovers' best parts and all his best parts reflected in the in the fair youth. Possibly. Which which is makes it even weirder than just seeing former lovers in someone. Yeah, yeah. to see an enhanced version of yourself is is yeah. I wouldn't date myself. You you complete me and all the other people I've ever slept with. <laughs> it's like a cascade, is what it is. Ah. Uh. There's, there's a. Oh, I'm going to go back. There's an episode of Red Dwarf where they they go to a space station and there's an entity on the space station that is it becomes an amalgamation of anyone who else is on this space station. It's called Legion, and so the four of them turn up on the space station and then Legion becomes all four people merged together. It's very very good, um, and, and the only way they they survive is by knocking each other out. So that anyway anyway doesn't really have any resemblance <laughs> here, but I quite like that episode. Uh, <laughs> It, it starts off um, it, it's quite an interesting it seems to flip between very loving language and very uh, trying to think of a way of expressing this very like love love lettery kind of language thy bosom is endeared with all the hearts uh, and then it kind of switches into religious so it's got uh, how many a holy and uh, a big uh, obsequious tear hath dear religious love stolen from mine eye and then it goes back to the the kind of loving language again so it's quite an odd sandwich so it's like a religious sandwich of of sex is is what this is it it, it kind of goes you can have sex but you need to feel bad about it yes yes and and all the religious bits are about the that we were we were having fun with the word beforehand. Uh, obsequious, obsequious, obsequious. That's it. Obsequious, which is is sort of servile and 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 uh, servant type language, I guess. Is that correct? Did I just miss do that word? Uh, what does it mean? I still have the. Uh, my internet is so. Maybe that's the problem. My internet is very very slow today. It, it's it um, servile complacence. Yeah, which is is what religion wants. Religion is about being servile. Um, and so, so how many a holy and obsequious tear have dear religious love stolen from my eye, as interest of the dead which now appear, but these things removed that hidden in thee lie. So he's saying the things that religion has taken from him, the 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 tears that religion has made him shed he kind of gets back in the young lover maybe again it's that sense of the lover the young lover bringing things back to making things equal does that make any sense at all I've, I, well to me it makes sense <laughs> I'm just very convinced whether that. it makes sense to any scholars yeah <laughs> yes they're, they're they're screaming at us, going, "What? This maybe we're going to become famous for the people who misread every single sonnet. That wouldn't be good." <laughs> but there's no wrong answer in English, as as people who would never take an English degree in their life used to tell me. 
There's no wrong answer. It's all opinions, and it's just rubbish. There are wrong answers in English. If you read war poetry and you say, oh, this is about... Uh, if you read, like, World War Two poetry and say it's about the occupation of Iraq, you're wrong. That is a wrong opinion. <laughs> it is not all opinions. You can be wrong in English. Anyway, that's the mini rant there. That, that should be read- the slogan of this podcast. You, you can be wrong in English. <laughs> maybe, maybe it should. Ah, um, you know, what, what do you think? Come on, you, you, I, I'm doing too much talking. What do you think? Tell me more. Tell me more. Educate me. <laughs> oh, I've completely lost my train of thought now. Uh... <laughs> God, my mind's completely wandered <laughs> off now. <laughs> Educate me, and it just goes to dead air. Thanks. That's, that's pretty much what happened. Now my brain just went, nothing, white noise. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like... I do like the, the end image, which is quite a... Uh, is it macabre? Sort of ending... Thou art the grave where buried love doth lie hung with the trophies of my lovers gone, who all their parts of me to thee did give, but due of many now is thine alone. I I love the idea that the young youth is being compared to a grave. Uh, a grave hung with trophies as well. It's such a, a very odd image after we've had all of the, the sonnets leading up to this have been all about uh, fighting nature or you are prettier than nature. Nature will will die but your brightness and your beauty will go on and now he's being told you're like a grave that's hung with trophies and it's quite an interesting flip i think but then we we, we've had the i mean there's quite a lot of death in this one we've had as interest of the dead which now appear but things removed that's hidden in thee lie so so even there there's the the grieving of the, the people that have already died it's quite yeah. an odd image but it's it's it sort of appears throughout the sonnet yeah that death death is taking things away and and the lover brings them back somehow so maybe it's the the, the sense we've been talking about that the other loves live on in the youth it is just that it's the idea that shakespeare's able to recapture his old relationships through this new relationship that that being in love with you is like I'm still in love with the others. That that part of them lives on. I, that that relationship hasn't ended. Shakespeare seems very obsessed with things ending and 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 disappearing, uh, which is interesting. When the relationship ends, the love ends. And, and that that I don't agree with that personally, but that seems to be Shakespeare's view. And and so the new relationship allows him to in some way carry that love forward well, I just sounded like an arrogant weirdo at the moment <laughs> uh, I, I did look further into the uh, obsequious word and it's, it's now obsolete but it used to also pertain to funeral rites okay which which I uh, yeah th- then that so I guess that would be another yeah yeah how many are holy and obsequious more death 
So he's almost blaming it. If, if you take that read into its extreme with, with lines five and six, it's almost saying that religion is stealing his lovers from him in the sense that they die uh, and religion is responsible for death. It's the holy and obsequious tear, half dear religious love stolen from mine eye. Which is, is... Which, which sort of makes sense. I mean, they, they, they thought that God controlled our life and that God decides when people... Well, some people still do today, that God decides when people <laughs> yeah. die. So so religion would be responsible for the death of the uh, the former love, or the old loves. Yeah, and then to blame religion as well. It's a, it's a very un-Christian thing, unreligious thing, maybe. Let's try and keep it general. An religious thing to do is to blame it. But yeah, I... I can see that as a as a possible reading. So this and this on it, we're we're kind of heading back in. We've had the I can't remember your official phrasing, but it was like a sea of of boring sonnets, um, where they were all very oh, one uh, dimensional, calm sea of ocean of calm or something. Ocean. And they were one dimensional. This we're now starting to get into with sonnet thirty and thirty one back into the quite deep sonnets where there are multiple levels to them. Uh, this is, so Shakespeare's kind of hit his stride again now. Not not that any of these sonnets back on really track. Have... <laughs> yeah, back on track. And and I know that the sonnets weren't necessarily written to be read in this order, but it's the order we're reading it in. And and sorry, I'm going to imply things whatever I want about that order. It's my prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, would you like? It's all about the war in Iraq. Yes, this this sonnet is is Shakespeare's look on the the occupation of Iraq. Um, and I think it's quite good. It's rather good. Uh, would you like to read us out? And then we shall move on to the... I'll read us out. Yes. Can you get through this one? Sonnet 31. I'll, I'll try to. <laughs> Sonnet 31. Thy bosom is endeared with all hearts, which I by lacking have supposed dead. And there reigns love, and all love's loving parts, and all those friends which I thought buried. How many a holy and obsequious tear hath dear religious love stolen from mine eye, as interest of the dead which now appear but things removed that hidden in thee lie? Thou art the grave where buried love doth lie. That would have changed the meaning quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thou art the grave where buried love doth live. Hung with the trophies of my lovers gone, who all their parts of me to thee did give, that due of many now is thine alone. Their images I loved, I view in thee, and thou, or they, hast all the all of me. Very good. That was Sonnet 31. I've been Mark Chatterley, and you can follow me on Twitter if you like. I'm at Nufkin, and I've been joined by, as always... Thierry Hillis, and you can find me on Twitter at Sound of Seagulls. And we will be back next time with Sonnet 32. See you later. Goodbye. You've been listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hillis. This has been an in-ear entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about in-ear entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.